Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. What's up, everybody? This is Taylor Vipolis, and welcome to the Players' Lounge, a new podcast brought to you by Inside Carolina in partnership with Heels for Life, UNC Football's NIL collective created to bring together UNC football players, fans, and businesses. I'm hosting this with my guy and my former teammate, Shaquille Rashad, today. And we're joined by UNC defensive back Geo Biggers. Geo, appreciate you getting on here. We know the summer schedule is a little less busy than the fall or the spring. So what are you doing in your free time and what kind of hobbies do you have outside of football? Um, so right now, um, I'm pretty much me and Storm Duck just moving in together. So he's got a, a two-man apartment. Um, so the busiest thing I've done this summer is just move. But um, I'm rehabbing an injury that I had during the season that I had surgery uh, because of. So right now I'm just rehabbing pretty, pretty heavy, you know, obviously going to see your family when I can, but. Just a lot of football stuff. We obviously got a new defense in, so being able to just learn things. Um, but I like to just relax a lot of times in my free time, so that's pretty much what I've been doing, rehabbing, relaxing, seeing the fan. I don't want to put you on the spot early, but what's the biggest pro and the biggest con to having Storm Duck as a roommate? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the biggest pro, i say, is Storm will not talk to anybody. Storm will stay in his room all day. <laughs> But the biggest con is also Storm will not talk to anybody. He'll just stay in his room all day. So I, I will have to go pull Storm out of his room. Like, I'll go up to his room and be like, bro, get out of bed. Like, you just sitting in the dark in bed. That's his happy place. So that's that's definitely the biggest pro and con. Storm, when you want to be alone, Storm going to leave you alone. But when you want somebody to talk to you, Storm's going to be in his room by himself with the lights off. You can't get him to the living room to play Madden or anything? Nah, Storm, Storm likes to be solo. Hey, well, well, maybe with the uh, NIL now, they'll bring back that NCAA game. He'll, be out there. he'll, he'll want to play with himself yeah, on there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's cool, man. Well, yeah. I uh, one of the questions I wanted to ask, because this is always a fun one for me to kind of get to know people better. Like, who is your favorite athlete of all time? Somebody you might have looked up to or maybe you just loved watching them play? Uh, definitely LeBron James, uh, Storm and uh, the new kid, Noah Taylor. They hate me. We have a little group chat, and I send them a LeBron like tweet every single day about how great LeBron is. But I just wa- like watching LeBron because although he might not win in the finals, he hasn't won in the finals too much. I just like how he carries himself, you know, the route he took, kind of thing, and just how good, how dominant he's been. And I know a lot of Carolina fans might not like that. I like LeBron over Jordan, but I'm definitely a LeBron guy. See, that's a thing that I feel like people get a lot of hate for because my old guy that I play with, I know you know him, Jeff Shopmer. Like he's a yeah. Shot's a, a LeBron guy. Yeah. I'm a Jordan guy, but we don't argue over because it's like, I'm not going to sit here and crap on LeBron. Like, the guy's yeah. phenomenal on and off the court. Like, I, I'm not going to be like, what do you mean he's the best ever? Like, I can yeah. understand why people feel that way. Yeah, I, got, <laughs> I got him 1A, 1B. <laughs> yeah, and that's totally yeah. fair. The people that want to act like it's not worth putting LeBron up there, that's the people yeah. I'm worried about. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 
it's such it's such a weird hill that some people want to die on when you're splitting hairs like that when it's like yeah. no lebron is the second best player that's ever <laughs> played basketball yeah. like what are we arguing <laughs> yeah seriously seriously so that's your guy because the next question we had with who, who the best athlete of all time is but it sounds like lebron's your guy huh yeah i gotta go with lebron james I, it's not too many people that could do it I, I feel like he could do what he can do so what about from a a football side of you who are who are you kind of watching football either just admiring how talented they are or kind of trying to emulate your game off them Oh, uh, so somebody I like see like wow, they're so talented. Uh, Julio Jones back when he was at Atlanta, I, I just like watching him play. He's like a man amongst boys. Somebody I was really able to like just dominate the game at receiver. But um, another guy I watched was Adrian Amos, uh, safety for the Packers. So he's actually from Baltimore, like right a couple minutes from my dad's house. He went to high school. Um, so back from Baltimore, I trained with a group called Next Level Nation. So we we I got to meet him a couple times, train with him a couple times. So just being able to watch him and see how he prepared like he's at the sta- uh, stage I want to be at obviously so being able to watch him at safety he's starting safety for the Packers whose team is pretty good every single year so just being able to see that uh see all the work he puts in is definitely somebody I look up to nah that's cool man that's cool and so this next when we talked about you know athletes and then and all that I'm curious because you know Drake had the line that, that musicians and, and and athletes are synonymous. We want to be them. They want to be us. Yeah. Who's your favorite? Who's your favorite musician of all time? <laughs> um, me. Yeah, it's crazy. We had, me and my friends had arguments about this all, all the time. Um, so me, Josh, now Tony Grimes, Noah Taylor. We all like live in the same choir kind of thing. Well, we yep. did until we just moved. But um, we were arguing the other night, and I told him I like Kodak Black the most and then Lil Dirt. So those are my two favorites. I know they're, I wouldn't say they're the greatest ever, but uh, I definitely listen to Kodak and Drake. I mean, Kodak and Lil Durk the most, but I got Drake number one ever. Did you see the uh, Caleb Presley Kodak interview? He's he's a heel. I didn't even see that. Oh, you got to check it out. I'll send you the link, man. <laughs> Caleb. Wait, is, is that the one where he's like, my name Kodak Black? Yeah. You me? Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Caleb. That's Caleb. <laughs> You know Caleb went to UNC, right? He was there when we were in school. Yeah, Caleb played there when we were in school, man. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to check that out. But sticking to, you know, favorites, what would you say the best holiday of the year is and why? Um, I like Christmas just uh, – I like Christmas just for the simple fact that you get gifts. But as I'm getting older, I like Christmas because, like, I can give gifts now. Like, I'm, I won't say I'm in a position to, like, buy everybody stuff, but I definitely like being able to, like, Make, make my family smile by getting them something or something like a Mother's Day because I'm not really like the lovey-dovey type of person that likes to show emotions and stuff like that. So being able to tell somebody like on a holiday like that how much I appreciate them is something I've realized that I've gotten older I like a lot. But definitely Christmas when I was younger because I just, I, I, I just like getting gifts, honestly. I respect the heck out of the fact that you yeah. will say that because some yeah. people will be like, oh, that's shallow and everything. Like, no, everyone likes gifts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, everyone likes gifts. <laughs> That's cool. And so, and if I had to answer that, I would say Christmas or I would say Thanksgiving. And I think the two big ones for me around those two is like, you get people on the table, you get to talk to people for a while, have a good time. So I got to know this one. If you could sit down with any four people that are dead or alive, they're in, I have to add context to this because people hear it funny. They're alive when you talk to them. But if you could grab four people from any, any time in human history and have dinner with them, who would you grab, and why would you pick him? Um, LeBron James, because I, I have always wanted to ask LeBron James who he thinks the best player ever is. I want to see what he what he thinks. Oh, he'd say uh, himself. He's got to. Yeah, yeah, I, that's what I think. But he's always so like politically correct with all. Yeah, things. I want to. I want to know what he really thinks. LeBron James. Um, 
fine. Julio Jones, Denzel Washington. That's like my favorite actor. And then probably like a rapper like Kodak a little dirt. Definitely. Got some good versatility bringing to the table. <laughs> They're all in like the same age. I mean, other than Denzel, like Denzel, these people yeah. you get to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not I'm not big on like having like like Storm gets on me all the time because me and Storm go back and forth. Like I, I was like, bro, you're like an old head. You like all those older people. I like the new school guys. Like I'm gonna get these new school guys credit for the old school guys. So I like a lot of the younger guys. I don't really like all too much know too much about like the older history of things. With with the dinner, if you had to choose your favorite meal of all time, like if you could only eat one meal for the rest of your life, what what would you guys be having? <sighs> Definitely a steak. Yeah, steak, lobster, something, something expensive. <laughs> that, that something expensive. expensive. Yeah. <laughs> now, when, uh, me and Sam uh, used to go to Stony River all the time. Me, Sam, Gavin, and then my junior, or no, my sophomore year, the year we went to Orange Bowl, every single Thursday, it was crazy. It was me, Trey Morrison, Josh Zulu, Jaleel Taylor, Javante Williams, Sam Howe, and Kyler McMichael. We went every single Thursday. Every Thursday we went, during that year we went to Orange Bowl, we won the game. And every single game we didn't go, I mean, every time we didn't go uh, to Longhorn that Thursday, we lost every single game. So that was like a little superstitious thing of uh, my sophomore year. But that was our uh, little Thursday meal before the game. That's pretty cool. So definitely stay. If if you could live anywhere, where would you want to live? Um, Australia. I don't know why. It just seems like somewhere cool to live. Seems like it just, it just gives me like uh, chill vibes, like relax. You know, you can just relax in the sun on the beach. Kind of thing like a little surfer vibe, just like chill. But it, in America, it'd definitely be like West Coast. I'm thinking like Arizona or something like that, somewhere warm. Have you ever left the country? I have not. I, I haven't. Here's a fun fact about Australia because I'm a big Australia guy too. I, they have a lot of deadly animals, man. So when you're laying on yeah. the beach hanging out, just be sure to keep an eye peeled or something. Because yeah, I heard they got like spiders and all types of things. Over yeah, there. <laughs> that's the, the scariest thing to me. Yeah, yeah, that's what's scary to me about some of those things, like. People tell me like a crocodile might kill me. So like that's yeah. okay because I can see that coming. When there's a poisonous spider, yeah, that that's terrifying. You might it might just sneak up on you. You don't even know it. Never see it coming. You just wake <laughs> up dead one day. Yeah. <laughs> cool, cool. Well, we've talked a lot about sports, but I feel like it's been football and LeBron and everything. I gotta ask you if you take money out of it, right? Let's just assume that you're getting paid the same in every sport. Take skill out of all of it. Let's say you're playing a Hall of Fame level in any sport. What sport would you play in what position? At the pro level, you're a Hall of Famer. Like, you're, you're going to be one of the best to ever do it, whatever you play. What sport would you play? Cornerback uh, in football. Let's go. I yeah, love it. <laughs> I love it. But then, like, my, my second answer is anytime I'm at a basketball game, like a Carolina game, it's 100% basketball because, like, you get you don't have no helmet on. Everybody just surrounding you, bright lights, dark like. But definitely corner in football. I think corner is the hardest position. And then, like, being a star like Jalen Ramsey, Tredavious White, some of those guys, like, it's just – Tony Grimes, Storm Duck, like all those guys, it just seems like it's a cool position to play. Yeah, did you, no did doubt. You, did you play basketball in high school? Like when you're going to these UNC games, are, are you kind of sizing them up? Like, you know, maybe I could do some of that. Nah, I was, I was definitely a one-star athlete. Like only only played one sport in high school. <laughs> so I went to all-boys high school in uh, Baltimore. We didn't have a track team. We we're like top five in the country in lacrosse. Football team was very average, but – it was like not a lot of sports and not a lot of like ways to get into sports. So I was definitely only playing one sport. My siblings definitely play like all the sports. I just like football. I wasn't too good at basketball. And earlier you mentioned uh, Denzel being your favorite actor, but 
if they made a movie about you, who would you want to play Geo Biggers? Would it be Denzel or would you go somebody different? Uh, uh the dude is it that? Um, the dude y'all have y'all, y'all watch Snowfall? I have not. I haven't. No, I haven't seen um, it. The lead character in Snowfall, I forgot his name, but he's a really good actor. I like him a lot. And he's not even from the country, but his English accent or American accent is like really good. But definitely him. I think he's like a really good actor. Young Forrest Whitaker? Nah. I'm just trying to think of non-American act. Idris uh, Elba? I don't know. It's, it might be. It's Dasmin Idris. Yeah. Yeah, I see Dasmin, it now. Okay. Him. Yeah, yeah, him. Real good actor. I like him a lot. He's thought that through. I like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So you, you brought up your high school just now. It was Boys Latin, right? Yep. Cool. Um... DMV, right? Yep. What's it like being from what is widely considered like outside of Florida to be one of the top places as far as talent in the country? You see, I just slipped my state in there. I had. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, yeah, I've gotten into so many arguments with my teammates because you know it's like in uh, the Maryland, Baltimore area. It's definitely like more private school ball. That's like I went to private school, but so I grew up in Virginia. Was born in Maryland, went back to Maryland with my dad, but it's definitely a lot of it's it's crazy how much talent there's. Like Noah Taylor, we played on the same seven on seven team in high school. Like that's how we got him, kind of got him here. Coach Brown knew I knew him, so we we're just kind of talking like that. But it's just so much different talent, and I swear you you can't tell uh, some of the guys from Georgia, definitely Georgia, Georgia. We have so many Georgia guys on the team. It's the worst because they swear if if you're not talking about Georgia, you're not talking about anything. So I just think there's definitely a lot of talent, untapped talent, and I don't really claim seven five seven as DMV. Me and Tony get into it a little bit about that, but <laughs> I, I think I think Northern VA is kind of better than seven five. So there's definitely a lot of talent there, though. Yeah, yeah at, some, I, um, at some point you have to draw lines. Like you can't just claim yeah, the, the entire yeah. state of Virginia. I know Tony loved throwing the, the VA sign up and everything. I'm like, bro, y'all are not DMV. Y'all are like Northern Northern North Carolina. <laughs> just start claiming <laughs> random places. Yeah. Do, do you have a favorite? Because I, I coached uh, high school basketball in Northern Virginia, and I know everybody takes a ton of pride being from there. Thinking back, like Nate Britt from Carolina basketball took a ton of pride up there. And a lot of those guys talk different. Do you have any of any favorite, you know, DMV or Baltimore type slang that you use? That when, when people, when you talk to people, they're like, what are you even saying? Nah, um, so Storm Duck, uh, he'll always, so, because I, I went to high school in Baltimore, my dad lives in Baltimore, I guess every, they say, like, their tools and everything different, like, too, but, like, they just have a lot of different, like, lingo and everything, so Storm's always sending me TikToks and stuff and swearing I talk like that or something like that, but it's just some different things, like, they'll, they'll call you dummy, stupid, uh, mo. but I don't really, I try to speak a little bit more properly than uh some of those guys, but, nah, I, I guess it's some of the, like, odds and everything like that but I, I don't i don't think i talk too much with it some, some, sometimes i do but i usually am i haven't heard you say bob yet so you're, yeah. you're all good on that nah, <laughs> yeah i'll try to stay away from that i say bro a lot that might be something but greg ross and miles wolf of you they had the strongest um, <laughs> dmv accents ever greg ross he sounded like he was mumbling all the time <laughs> and, and one thing we love on this podcast is bring in hypotheticals to really test your confidence. So one that we haven't done yet, how old would Floyd Mayweather have to be for you to step in the ring with him and feel confident that you'd win? For context, he's 5'8", 150, and you're listed at 6'1", 193. So you already have a pretty pretty big size advantage over. 
Yeah. I, you um, know, I would bet that there's nobody on that team that's as small as Floyd Mayweather. Just think yeah, about I, that. I, I, first, yeah, I, I, was, I ain't going to lie. I think I'll step into the ring right now. Let's go. <laughs> yes. I, I, I ain't going to lie to you. I definitely think I'll step into the ring. Uh, I just think, like, the only way you're going to get me is if my hands, I don't know, potty shots, too. He's going to have to knock me out, though. That's how I feel. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to try to take a couple punches and then just try to get him with one good one. See, you and I are thinking the same way because yeah. I've always said, like, of course, like if it comes to true boxing and we're gonna score points, he's gonna beat me. Yeah. But I'm gonna stand in there and make him knock me out. And I like yeah. my odds fighting a 150 pound dude not getting yeah. knocked out. I yeah, just I, like my I, odds. I don't, I don't see him knocking me out. I, I don't know. He, he had to hit me pretty hard to knock me out, and I don't see that happening. He's gonna score you to death. Now he's gonna yeah. win every round. He's gonna get all his points, but you just have to land a couple. That's all <laughs> yeah. you need. I think. I think though. I think what will add up is the body shots. I think that's what would add up. They would start taking a toll. Yeah, but I, 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 I would step in right now, to be honest. Only person I would never step in the ring with is, like, Mike Tyson. Oh, Somebody yeah, those like heavyweights. That. I don't care yeah. how old he is. Yeah, I mean, you get to, like, the, the 160, I mean, 70, 80, 90 pounds. I don't want anything to do yeah, with them. Uh, but that's my pounds. I don't need that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we don't want those problems. I'm crazy, not delusional. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And celebrity boxing is is kind of blowing up now where, where guys are stepping in. So maybe yeah. you go on to have an NFL career and you step in the ring kind of like, who was it recently? Frank Gore? Frank Gore, yeah. Frank Gore, Frank Nate Gore. Robinson. Yeah. He got, got caught sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> bad look. You can't become a meme. That's a bad look. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if I can step in. I, I had to have at least a year of experience before I step in. I don't know. They, they, they're good at boxing. I, ain't, I, don't, I don't got all the technique. I just got – I throw a punch or something. I played fight night growing up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's cool. Well, cool, man. I, I, we talked a little bit about movies, but now we really want to zero into like the movies part of the podcast, which is honestly my favorite. So I want to shout out a uh, grindhouse and apparel company that's local. They're helping make this podcast possible. Grindhouse has got exclusive collections of vintage movie posters and apparel. And as if it couldn't get any better, their heels, they're big Carolina fans. So check out grindhouse.com where you're missing out big time. And just for context, Grindhouse is G-R-N-D-H-A-U-S dot com. And so, Gio, the big question, what is your favorite sports movie of all time? And, yes, we're judging you based on this. I'll probably have to go um, remember the Titans. Yeah. That, I mean, that's just the best one. I mean, the, the one I'll probably watch the most. I hate rewatching movies. That's that's the only one I'll definitely rewatch. So, that's definitely the option. I'm not a big movie guy, though, but. If I ain't watching it, it's going to be remember the Titans. I think it's the best movie ever made. You can't yeah. sit down with me and watch that movie because I, I just will go line for line with it the entire time. And it, <laughs> it's it's got to be infuriating for anyone yeah. near me. I'm talking, yeah. I'm standing up, doing the dances <laughs> with him and everything, like yeah. all of it. <laughs> nah, yeah, that's probably, probably the one for me. Yeah, it's a, ton of, a ton of quotable lines, too, from yeah. that movie that come up. And I feel like you could work them in everyday situations. But Switching to the football side of things, Gio, three-star prospect out of high school. Take us through your recruiting process. Why did you eventually choose Carolina? Um, so, like I said, I'm, I moved to Maryland, back to Maryland with my dad. Going into my freshman year of high school, he was coaching at one of the schools that I ended up going to. Um, so my first two years, I wasn't really, I guess, like that big-name recruit. I had a older guy named Victor Dumacasio who played at Duke. He's been in the league for two years now with the Cardinals. Um, so I would like go on a lot of visits with him and, you know, just kind of get introduced into to the recruiting scene. And then January 5th, I remember like it was yesterday, I was uh, in the bathroom at school and my dad called me. He was like, Maryland's about to call you. They just offered you. And I'll never forget it. 
And then um, it kind of just started racking up after that, you know, ODU, Rutgers, Temple, Pitt, like just schools like that, uh, just, just getting them. And it was kind of like, you, you wait for the moment your whole life, you know, that's what you work for. But then when it comes, you're like, man, this is stressful. You know, all the visits, all the people calling you, trying to sway you one way, sway you the other way. And then I remember talking to my dad when I, he came in my room and this is, I ended up getting Carolina and um, I visited, loved it. Definitely the number one place on my mind. Like I had no doubt about it. I just didn't want to pull the trigger for some reason. And my dad came in my room one night. He's like, what are you waiting for? You know, like, if this is a place you want to be, don't wait for somebody else to take your spot. Like, go ahead and uh, just commit. So I remember I called Coach Fedora because Coach Fedora uh, was still here at the time. I called Coach Fedora. He was with uh, Mitch Mason. Called him when I was committing. And then it was just kind of, uh, it went from there. But I honestly, the recruiting process, like I said, was super stressful. And I just uh, definitely really appreciated the coaches at UNC. You know, Coach Stig was probably my main recruiter. So when Coach Mac Brown um, ended up taking over, basically a lot of guys were getting dropped, and I was a little worried, like, whoa. But then, you know, Coach Stig called me, and he was like, nah, you're my guy. So that was definitely a big help. And it made me really feel like I, was, I belonged at Carolina because I know that same week, that Fedora got fired. There was a bunch of coaches coming to my house asking me to take officials, like last-minute officials. This is probably around two weeks before signing day. So they asked me to take officials, like, hey, after Carolina, you should come here. Like, Indiana was probably the second school I was going to choose if I didn't end up coming to Carolina after the switch. And so I told the coach, I was like, all right, I'll take the official after UNC, you know, if I don't like UNC. So I remember get to UNC, meet Coach Brown. I'm even more blown away by what he has going on here. It just kind of kind of message he laying to me and then I know I can trust him just because his resume and just the people who he had around you know he kept a lot of the guys hired coach Bly you know just just some things that he's done you know talking to Mitch Mason somebody who I really trusted during the recruiting process and then um yeah so I ended up coming back from the visit at UNC loved it uh Miles Wolfolk was my host and called uh Indiana right after I was like look I'm staying committed to Carolina and that was pretty much the end of it turned down a free trip <clears throat> Yeah, turned down a free trip. Good thing I was ready, though. I don't think I would have wanted to be in Indiana. Nah. <laughs> oh, man, that's great. And so you, you, after that recruiting, you come to campus, and we, we did a little digging, man. Look back at some old interviews where you're talking about things like being undersized and then playbook's different and then confidence is down. And obviously, you come in here, football IQ's up. You're great size now, confident, saying you're going to beat Floyd. But what was that adjustment to college football like that, that – put you to a spot where you were saying those things um so I think definitely it was, it was the playbook 100% so just learning um you know coach Bateman he is like any other playbook you know all defenses are the same pretty much but it was just not something I was used to you know in high school we ran about three plays so coming to college where you got one call as a safety that you got to make three checks if this happens or this happens or if they motion it was just a lot and I wasn't really understanding how I should have and I probably also wasn't putting in the time that I needed to as a freshman Cause, you know, you're still learning how to adjust and how much time you need to put or how much effort you got to put into this or that. So the hardest thing was just getting adjusted to the playbook. And then, like, like I said, I came in, I think I was like 174, 175 pounds. And then once you know you're – it's football. You get yelled at, obviously. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just good coaching. Um, so that's kind of like breaking you down mentally a little bit. And then you're just trying to – you get then you get behind. It's like now you're trying to fight your way up, and it's just kind of hard to uh, get that uphill battle. But I just think staying on top of it and just, you know – Tell, I actually started telling myself, like, you're good, like, you're, you're you're good enough, you're this, you're that, and just stuff like that, you know, having to, having my teammates or having the coaches tell me, like, just relax, like, you're good, that, that stuff kind of helped me. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Yeah, that's awesome. And I can't imagine how helpful it was to have uh, your dad, who's a coach, also yeah, going through it. Yeah, exactly. Talk to us about that. What was that like having dad help you? So after my freshman year, you know, I I, I, uh, I kind of stayed away from my parents. Like, my parents are definitely good about, like, kind of leaving me alone with football, even though my dad's coach. Instead of saying, like, oh, you should have did this better, he'll just be like, hey, man, just uh, keep your head up, keep fighting, keep working. So I really appreciate him for that. But when COVID hit, you know, we all got sent home. And um, this was going into my sophomore year. And this is when I had put on some good weight. And I, I ended up staying with my dad in Maryland for that whole summer summerish time where COVID, like it was kind of missed early spring to summer so I stayed in Maryland with my dad you know he got me on an eating plan and then we kind of just we get on a, a whiteboard or just do whatever I ask him concepts like just being able to like learn from him and like ask him stuff like I'll still ask him stuff to this day like oh what's this mean you know we just got a new defense in like what does this turn mean so just being able to talk to him and ask him and him pretty much guide me but also like know when to pull back and let me do it on my own because like now nah, I think I kind of know things well but Having him that summer, I, I still think to this day was the biggest thing in uh, my college, like, like upbringing. Like, it made me who I am today. That's that yeah. COVID summer is like was the biggest blessing in the sky. Yeah, that sounds like such a, a great resource to have available to you, and just the entire coming to college experience can be a humbling one because mm-hmm. you're so used to being the best athlete on the field at all times. Everybody kind of has it once they get to school, but do you have one welcome to college moment in particular where you kind of looked around and you were like, these dudes are a lot bigger, they're a lot faster, or they're a lot stronger? I definitely say my coming to college moment was um, Coach Bateman. It, it wasn't something where I got hit or anything. Obviously, like, I remember I'd go up against Antonio Williams in practice, and like, like I said, I'm 175. He was probably 225 at the time. But my coming to college moment was just the, um, the like, fast pace. And, like, I remember one practice, I seen MD bending over a little bit. And I'm like, dang, so it's not just me. But I, I definitely think it was um, Coach Bateman had a drill called one line. And it was basically, like, get your feet warm, but you're, like, pretty much conditioning. So that was my moment. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, is this what it's going to be like every single day? I can't do this. But. I don't know if I had that one moment where I'm like, maybe against Daz Newsom Garden, Daz or something like that. He's yeah, Daz is like a different beast. So, what a blessing it is to be a DB where you're you're welcome to college football. Learns how tired you are. Yeah, yeah mine I was, was being a, a 208 pound linebacker trying to tackle AJ yeah. Blue, <laughs> AJ oh, yeah. Blue, and get my face bashed in. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I, I haven't had no experience like that. Thank you. Hopefully, I'll never have the experience one. Not being ready for inside drill is a whole nother yeah. level of welcome to yeah. college football. Yeah, nah, inside run gets a little rough, so you definitely got your pads ready for that. 
That's why I, I think my thing is like I've never been like I'll definitely bring a hit or something like that. But I think like my freshman year, I just didn't have the weight to bring it. Like uh, me and British were talking the other day. He was like, "You can have a heart, but if you don't got the size, it just don't matter." We were talking to uh, one of the young corners about that. We was like, "You could be as much of a dog as you want, but sometimes some dudes are bigger than you. That's just what it is." Yeah. Yeah, it's like it doesn't matter the size. What's the saying? It doesn't matter the size of the fight, the dog size of the, the dog and the dog whatever. And yeah. I got it backwards, yeah. But like until both dogs have heart, yeah. then it matters the size of the dog in the fight. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of the size of like the the dogs in fights, what was it like getting your strength and your weight up coming into college football? Because that's a big adjustment in and of itself. Yeah, so I, I think Everybody looks at my dad and just assumes I'm going to be like some. My dad's like 6'3", 20, 30 pounds, works out every single day. I think everybody just assumes I'm going to be like him. But I think the hardest thing was like seeing guys that were either in my class or smaller than me, lifting more than me. So I think just taking on that role of like, all right, challenging myself, add five more pounds or add this or add that. Like Coach S, is, uh, I love Coach S. He's probably my favorite person in this building. But just being able to work out with him and like understand my body more, work out with Coach Blue, especially right now after my surgery, just understanding my body, understanding that more doesn't always mean better. And sometimes like what you're doing is better than how much you're lifting kind of thing. So I think just learning how, how my body works, what I should be putting in it, eating, eating was the biggest thing. I, I, I wasn't really big on eating food and then you're working out so much and then you're just eating one or two times a day. Like it's not going to really help you. I had to learn, I got to eat three full meals a day and add two like 500 calorie snacks within that day, just to kind of really like bulk up and like see the effects of working out and eating. So Kind of just learning how to balance those two things. That's a hot take. I wasn't really big on eating food. That's yeah. uh <laughs> I, I, I was kind of similar. Once yeah. once Kelsey made like a visual of like how much food I was supposed to be eating, yeah. I was like, I'm not even closest. Like I'm tracking how yeah. much food I'm eating, and I'm like Kelsey wants me to like triple my food intake. Yeah, yeah. she used to draw the little diagram and she's like, All right, you should have these three meals and then add these two snacks and something before bed. I'm like, Oh my god, I'm supposed to fit all this in. You're like just sad, like forcing yourself. Yeah. To eat I don't want to move nothing. <laughs> what you you had mentioned everything starting to kind of click for you after uh, you know, a rough start or however a start you normally have as a freshman, that kind of adjustment period. Do you have a moment when everything started to click for you and everything started to slow down for you? <clears throat> yeah, definitely. So like I said, that um, COVID summer coming back, I remember they were bringing us back in groups and I came with the first group and just being, uh, so we had player-led practices and usually, so like this, it was a certain period of coach could be out there if a ball wasn't out there. So um, we have like pattern match periods and, and then an inside run period. And being able to, I remember Coach Bateman was like, dang, Jill, like it's a whole new Jill. Cause I was going from, we were playing cover three and I'm making quarters coverage calls and everything, like ho horrible calls. So being able to go from there to make checks and everything. So definitely I'd say going into my sophomore year, I just, I think I knew the whole defense. And it's like one thing to know the whole defense, but then like I was learning like what other people had that like brought the whole defense together and like, all right, he's here. So I must be right here and this person must be right here. So definitely my sophomore year was the year it clicked for me. And then going going into your junior year uh, last spring, Mac Brown said that you were the most improved player over the entire course of the spring. And you know when Mac Brown is giving people a compliment, it, it holds some weight to his words. And we yeah. saw that translate to you having an even bigger role in the field your junior year. Where did you see your game develop from sophomore year to junior year? Um, just taking more command of uh... – the defense, I know Coach Bateman, one of his big things for me was I didn't speak loud enough. Like, I knew what I was saying, but I didn't say it. 
with command. So just being able to lead guys and tell guys, all right, here, you're supposed to be here and you're supposed to be here and you do this and you do that. Um, so just like that spring was big for me, you know, just learning how to really talk and be a leader without having to worry about, oh, this game plan, this week, this, this, and that, and I got to do it for that. You know what I mean? So just being able to practice and just practice football and learn was definitely the biggest thing for me. So uh, just taking command and being confident in my abilities was the biggest thing. Like confidence is like, will take you so far. And I realized that during that spring, like I, I just had a lot of confidence. I was riding a, a wave. Hopefully I'm still riding it. But um, like I said, just confidence and uh, taking command and just being a leader. One of the things I love is hearing like people that are playing as they're going through it, like talking about the work that goes into it. Cause you talk about the work that goes into it. We show up in Keenan on a Saturday and see yeah. you show up there with what five tackles, block punt, a sack, yeah. uh, big time PBU against Miami. Yeah. And I remember that game. Like, what do you remember from that, from that game, that performance you had that day? Um, so, um, yeah, so pretty much sadly, I think that's the game that I hurt my shoulder and I didn't realize it till, um, obviously NC State where I really realized I hurt my shoulder. Uh, but um, just, I don't know. When I play, it's like kind of like, I, I should definitely stop this, but it's like so many things going on. I'm like, trying to, all right, like I said, just the leading part, I try to tell this person go here, this person go here. Uh, I know Coach Bateman put a lot of, not a lot, but he definitely expected a lot out of me and Gimma last year, uh, communication-wise, like being the leaders of the defense field. All right, I know you guys know what you're doing, so make sure everybody else knows what they're doing. But those games, I don't know, it was just, it's just fun at that point. Like you, you're playing, like you block a punt. You just it's some confidence you have. I remember like the first tackle I had, the first series I was in, they almost got me for a target, and I'm like, man, like this can't be, be can't be it. And as soon as they said no target, I was like, all right, I'm ready. Like let's go. It's like once you get that first contact in football, like it's like all right, now nah, I'm ready to play. Like you got butterflies into them. But just playing, it, it's it. Miami was just a fun game. You know, you gonna make mistakes, but I think the biggest thing is like, all right let your big play be way bigger than the mistake you made kind of thing. So Miami is definitely a fun game and just having fun out there. Speaking of uh, the blocked punt, you, you were tied for the lead this year in the country with two blocked punts. What's your mentality when it comes to special teams? Because I think most players are going in like with that, that just trying to get to the next play mentality, but it seems like you're trying to approach it, trying to make those game changing plays. Yeah, so um, like I said, my freshman year, I was like, I'll, I'll be the first to admit, I just wasn't ready to play. And, like, they didn't even trust me to put me on special teams. So I kind of take that – Um, I love these coaches, but I kind of take it as, like, fuel. Like, they ain't even want to put me on special teams. So I'm, I'm going to make sure, like, I don't ever come on special teams now. Like, I, I know I talked to Coach Porter. Like, I don't want to ever come on special teams. I want to play every single special teams, and I want to start on defense. Like, that's my goal, and I want to dominate. Like, I don't want to just do good. I want to, like, really dominate. So I think, like, my, my biggest thing is, like, also, for my freshman year, like, I was scared to mess up. And, like, I played, which is also might not be the best thing, but it helps me. I played so I don't mess up. Like, I'm, I'm trying my best so I don't mess up. So whether that's special teams on defense, whether I'm blocking for somebody, like, I'm playing as hard as I can so I don't mess up and they don't think, oh, that's OG or coming back again. So I kind of just use that as fuel to be like, all right, like, they're not going to be able to take me out. If anything, they're going to just praise what I just did. You know what I mean? So just being able to, like, uh, let that – let the stuff in my freshman year fuels me. I think that's the biggest thing. Like it literally, like my freshman year fuels me to play how I do today. And and with that mentality, it's not hard to understand why you're a captain so often. Like you know, and and what did that honor mean to you? And to use your own words, going from like old Geo to yeah. a spot where like you're a captain and people are looking at you like, hey, how do we do this? What are we doing today? Yeah. No, nah, it's crazy. It's definitely like I remember the first time they called me. I'm like, wow, like. 
I couldn't believe it, honestly. It was definitely a good feeling. Kind of know, like, some of the hard, hard work I'm putting in is paying off. And, like, the coaches are noticing it and my teammates also. Uh, so just being able to, like, make people proud. Like, my biggest thing is making my family proud. I'm not really into all the accolades and everything, but if I can make my family smile and feel like they're proud of me or my coaches or teammates, that's the biggest thing for me. Um, I remember Wake Forest game. So we have, like, offensive captains, defensive captains, and special teams. So Wake Forest was the first game I was a defensive captain. And I remember Coach Bateman, like, he pulled me to the side. He's like, I'm proud of all your hard work, like, just kind of where you've come from, where you've been. And um, that, that was, like, a big moment for me. Like, that made me feel really good about, uh, like, just kind of everything I've been through. It made me feel like it was worth something, and I learned a lot from it. And it kind of just molded me into the player I am today. So it definitely means a lot to have been recognized for that. That was the, that was the game in the retro jerseys? Yeah, yeah. What's what's your take on the retro jerseys? Are they better than the normal? I don't. So at first, I remember. So we have a leadership council, and so they tweet, they texted in our leadership council text, probably like 15, 20 guys, and they're like, "All right, what are we wearing this week?" So somebody said it might have been Omar and I Hampton was wearing the jersey or the combo. So the recruit was wearing a. Um, I don't know if I said his name right, so my bad. But the recruit was wearing the um, the jersey, and we were like, "Nah, I don't know about that." And I can't remember who was like, nah, let's just do it. So we did it. And I was like, I don't know how I'm feeling about this. But we put it on. I, I think that's the best uniform I've worn since I've been here. By far. Yeah, yeah. By far. I, I don't think there's anything better than that. Then yeah. the accessories to go with it, I, I, it was the best uniform <laughs> by far. Me, Something Storm, about Tony, that luck like, is just really so nice clean. Picture. Yeah, me, Storm, and Tony, I, like, just Storm broke up that pass on, like, the fourth down or third down, whatever it was. Me, Tony, and Storm have, like, a picture all jumping together. It's, like, just a dope picture. It, I love I love those uniforms. And then, and then going off last year – uh, probably didn't go the way a lot of people on the team and a lot of fans thought the year would go. So where do you think the defense has the most room to grow from last season up until this first game against Florida A&M this late August? Yeah, so I definitely think um, the biggest room we have to grow is just um, leadership. You know, um, Coach Chiz has talked to me a lot about getting guys together and just finding who the leaders are finding who's going to step up and, and uh, not always be the nice guy when it comes to leading. You know, we have a lot of leaders, but even including myself, like we, we tend to be like nice about it. And sometimes you you, you got to be a little mean and kind of like pushy. So I think just finding the, the leaders because in turn is going to make better. It's going to make the next guy next to you better. So also just communication. Um, I think the, I'm not going to say uh, I just think communication just being able to talk and everybody knowing what they're doing, not just one or two people or not one D lineman, one backer, and one safety, just corners knowing, stars knowing, nickels, like everybody knowing. So just communication, having leadership, and just playing hard every single play. I think a lot of a lot of times guys, were, we were all taking off plays, and we just weren't playing that hard. So I, I, that's definitely something you never want to say as a defense. So I think this year is going to definitely be a pride year. Like look yourself in the uh, mirror, play for your teammates, like don't let your teammate down kind of thing. So I think we have a lot of uh, like looking in the mirror to do this year. I think Coach Chiz and Coach Warren, the, the new guys, are definitely starting to help us play faster, you know, play, like, with a sense of urgency and just, like, we're playing for something, you know what I mean? So I just think those are kind of some of the things. You brought the name up. I was actually going to ask about it. Um, Coach Chiz and Coach Warren, you talked a little about them. That sense of urgency, I can still hear in the back of my head um, the first time blitzing when Chiz was there, him just screaming, Gah! Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> but what's yeah. it been like? What's it been like having them? And we're not as, like, I, I, I would never ask someone like you don't have to compare them to old staffs or anything, but like, yeah. what's it been like to have Chiswick and Warren there so far? I love it. So I'll start with Chiswick, man. Chiswick, uh, 
he's he's done everything he said he's gonna do. He's been who he said he was gonna be, and I I just really respect him a lot. You know, obviously he has two national championships. That's something you most people don't ever get. But I just respect him so much for the person he is because he's gonna cut it to you straight every single time. He'll say it in front of everybody. It's gonna be the same thing every single time. Um, he's definitely brought a new a new vibe, a new energy. So I didn't participate in that much of spring, really any of it. Uh, but you just seeing the guy play, it's like, dang, I want to be out there. Just, you know, just being able to watch how he coaches and watch, like, you just want to run through a brick wall for him. Like, and he's so positive. Like, he's yelling, but he's, like, super positive about it. Yeah. Everything he's saying makes you just want to go harder and just make you want to do more. Like, you just want to listen to everything he's saying because you're giving out so many different gems. And then just the morals he stands on, you know, telling us, like, oh, he left for his kids, you know, and that's not something a lot of people would do. Uh, so you can just respect him a lot, the type of person he is, and just uh, I really like him. And then Coach Warren, yeah, Coach Warren is love him, man. It's it's just like uh, he's just like he's a true like coach. Like he'll tell you how to. He'll, he's giving us stuff every week to like learn this or learn that, giving us drills to do every week that he wants us to do. That he's gonna give us in practice, and he's gonna be like, all right, I gave you these drills. Now y'all should be good when we go to do them come fall camp. So just being able to play under him, he's so smart. Uh, him and Dre mold really well together. Um, Coach Block. Um, so pretty much just, yeah, Coach Warren, Coach Chiz, they've just been really good for us. You know, Coach Warren, I remember after the first scrimmage. So like I said, I didn't really do too much sprint because my shoulder. But the one scrimmage I did play in, I was obviously non-contact, couldn't touch anybody. He takes, I think he takes all the DBs after the scrimmage. Just something super positive. And it just like means something like, it's like, yeah. wow, like this dude went through the whole thing and, and thought enough about me to text me or thought enough about this person to text him. So just being able to know you're appreciated and kind of like not doing it for nothing. Like these, these coaches actually care. And it like, like he told us one time, he was like, he was also interviewing us. Like he didn't have to come here. So just him leaving his spot to come here and help us. As, I, I definitely respect him a lot. I respect him and coach Chizik a lot. Yeah. And I think I, I love anytime somebody starts talking about coach Chizik and coach Warren, I, I love hearing it because it reminds me of, uh, the 2015 season that we had, me and Shaq, where Coach Chizik kind of came into a team that already had a pretty good staff in place and kind of changed our mindset even further. And kind of he saw potential in us that we didn't see at the time. And once once he's in that building, it's it's a lot easier to start buying in and kind of trusting what everybody's saying. But when when we have talked to Coach Chizik or Coach Warren this um, this off season. A lot of the things they, they mentioned about where you guys can grow is things you mentioned, you know, the, the chemistry, the communication. Defensively, how do you do that for, for people like the fans on the sideline who might not really understand, like, like how to improve something like chemistry mm-hmm. or like communication when, when they kind of think of it like a, a Madden video game, like yeah. people should just know what everybody's supposed yeah. to do. Um, so one thing that we're definitely doing that's new is um, so we have like full defensive meetings now. So we'll go through some of the good plays. We'll go through uh, NOS, which is not our standards. We have like competition boards of who's winning, how you lose points, how you gain points. And just Coach Chizik being in there showing us what he what he wants, what he doesn't want. Like I said, telling everybody how, to, how he feels about him in front of them and just, you know, just being a, the guy that everybody looks up to. But I think learning and how we build chemistry, how we communicate, how everybody knows what they're doing is – like what Coach Warren's doing now, he's sending us clips. He's sending us, all right, this is what you're doing this, and this is what you're doing that, and these are the techniques you use, and this is what you communicate, and this is who you communicate it to. Like Coach uh, Warren's thing is name, command, volume. You say their name when you say a check, 
you said uh, you command them and then you use volume. Like those are the three things. So just learning how to communicate because some guys might just say, let's say for something like expos, uh, expos to check, expo, expo, like, well, who are you telling? Who are you telling? It's Expo, you know what I mean? Or it should be Shaq, Expo, 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 like with some, just some bass in your voice kind of thing. So just learning how to communicate and then just being around each other more and just like, like I said, having fun is the best chemistry builder to me. Like you're having fun and you're winning and you're competing and you're dominating. It's like, it's no better chemistry than that. Like that's how you build chemistry because you see guys making plays and you have more fun. You're able to celebrate with them and it just, it's just a fun feeling. And I think this spring really helped us you know, build who kind of the DNA we want we want to have and who we want to be. And I, I think hopefully we can build on it this summer and in fall camp. I, I love summer, but I would skip ahead to that first game right now, listening yeah. to you talk. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. Vip, you don't, have, you don't have to be ready to play, Vip. Shut up. Give these guys their time to get ready. <laughs> yeah, I'm, exci- I'm excited. I'm definitely excited. Oh, that's a, that's awesome, man. We're excited, too, and appreciate you jumping on, Gio. And yep. everyone listening, if you made it this long, we love you. We appreciate you listening. And then go check out heelsforlife.org. It's a great thing, and it helps us keep stuff like this going. So become a member if you aren't already. Ask any questions you may have. We'd love to engage with you. But, again, appreciate you. And go check out the website. And also, there's a lot of good stuff on that website. You can click on a guy's face or click shop under it. You can go buy some T-shirts. I don't – Gio, I don't know if you have anything up there, but I know Storm's nah, got shirts up yeah. there. We got to get you up there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There it is. Appreciate it, y'all. Yep. <laughs> appreciate it, Gio. Thank you, guys. All right. What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski.